Welcome everyone to the Wednesday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. I know on Monday, I teased an exciting announcement. There's one coming. It's just uh, not yet. But in the next couple of days, you will be hearing about that. Uh, on this day, you'll be hearing about the Calgary Flames win over the Nashville Predators, and you'll be hearing about the NBA playoffs. Thank you for tuning in today. We start with the Calgary Flames as they are making their journey towards another Stanley Cup playoff, hopefully run for people in this city. And last night was a preview of what is probably going to end up being the the series as they get ready to take on the, the Nashville Predators. And that game, I mean, first of all, oh my word, what a hockey game last night that Calgary and Nashville played. And if that is the series that ends up happening, then sign me up because that was incroyable last night. Awful French aside. Um... Just awesome. And now looking at it, maybe it's not the series. With Dallas's win, it could potentially be a Dallas-Calgary first-round matchup. And as we talked about before, I think that is a much more favorable matchup because you saw last night the potential hindrances of a series against the Nashville Predators. I have said this before. If you play Nashville in the first round, you will feel that series for however long your playoff run lasts. If you get past Nashville, because this is a good Nashville Predators team, and I think they kind of mirror what Calgary can do, right? Like, you, you have a Flames team that can defend very, very well, only giving up 13 shots in the first two periods of this game. And also, this game... I mean, both teams end up with their backup goalies in net, so you can't really blame goaltending on this one. But I'm not going to say, well, this game was so close, so that means every game is going to be close. But you look at the similarities. Like, Nashville can defend very, very well. Roman Yossi is probably going to win the Norris Trophy this season. He gets his 22nd goal of the year in the game last night. The, the Flames, like I said, only 13 shots allowed in the first two periods. And really, Nashville could only get it going on the power play. Um, but Nashville, Calgary can both defend pretty well also have players who can poke the puck in the net. We've talked about that from a Flames perspective. Apparently, Dylan Dubé is Calgary's Austin Matthews now, as all he does is score goals. But you have Kachuk, Lindholm, Gaudreau. Um, you have Coleman who can score. You have all of these, uh, Toffoli, sorry, Yarncroc who can score as well. You have all of these options. And for Nashville, the weapons aren't as plentiful, but Philip Forsberg has 42. Matt Duchesne can score, for sure. Uh, Roman Yossi, like we said, on the blue line has 20. Like, they have guys who can score as well. They do kind of seem like an interesting style matchup for Calgary as it's kind of looking in a mirror. From a Flames perspective, and quite frankly from my perspective, I believe that Nashville is just a touch of a lesser version than the Calgary Flames. Like, the, the Predators defend really, really well, maybe just not as well as Daryl Sutter's Calgary Flames. And Nashville can score really, really well, just maybe not as well as... Daryl Setters, Calgary Flames. And the goaltending is, I, I think, a bit of a wash, depending on the, the injury status of UC Saros going into this game. And I think that needs to be a bit of a wake-up call for the Flames, who, by the way, are, are handling it well. They are doing what I would have done with the, the, the Vladar situation. Uh, Markstrom probably would have been my pick last night, as we've discussed. Um, so he gets a, a bit of a longer break, but is still at least fresh. I wouldn't mind if he gets into one of the two games here that the, the Flames have remaining on the schedule, just so that it's not like a full couple of weeks before Markstrom plays, but with Saros's injury, 
last night, you, you see the potential downfalls of playing your starting goalie in these late season games when there's players driving to the net. Like, I think it was Duchesne went crashing into Vladar, and my first thought was, man, if that is, if that's, um, if that's Markstrom in goal, then the entire city of Calgary is holding their breath because they don't go anywhere without Markstrom. As fine of a backup as Darth Vlader is, um, I, I, I would not be, I would not be very confident in a Calgary run if there's no Markstrom. He, he has to be, quite frankly, he might have to be Calgary's best player if they're going to, to go on a run. But a couple of things to take away from the game last night. We've talked about it before, the importance of getting Dylan Dubé going. If they can get that secondary scoring ramped up the way Dylan Dubé can, I mean, this becomes an extremely difficult team to defend. And you already saw last night the impact that Milan Lucic can have on games like that. Um... So I, I think if you can get a Dylan Dubé rolling the way he is, if you can kind of keep that momentum going into the playoffs, and look, he's not going to be a two-goal-a-game scorer in the postseason, but just that confidence to be a weapon on offense and that confidence that, if nothing else, other teams have to be aware of you on the ice, I think that is very valuable come postseason time because he can score the type of goals that you're going to need to score like Matthew Kachuk did last night when these games start to, to lock down a little bit. I think if Calgary ends up playing Nashville or whoever they play in the first round, that trip, that, that parade to the penalty box cannot be a thing. Cause I thought five on five last night, Calgary was quite frankly, clearly the, the better hockey team and Nashville was just able to, to get things going because of their work on the power play. And so for the flames, Staying out of the penalty box is going to be crucial. Now, the, I guess, kind of exhale moment from a Calgary perspective is that it becomes a little bit easier in the playoffs to stay out of the penalty box because they tend to let a few things go. And we are going to be reminded of this next week. Playoff hockey is a different sport from the regular season. This is going to look, sound, and feel much different than what we saw even last night, like last night is a great regular season hockey game. Last night, and the dramatic finish would be ramped up, obviously, with a, a playoff atmosphere and the, the stakes of a postseason game. But aside from that, last night is a above average playoff game. That That's that's the type of level that you need to get to. And that's the type of level that, quite frankly, we haven't seen this Flames team get to. But they are proving that at least to the level that they can prove right now, they can play in those types of games. The one thing I noted defensively from the Flames last night, there was a ton of puck watching, and that ended up getting them into trouble on some of those weak side goals where there's a big rebound kicked out or a nice pass, and all of a sudden you have four dudes looking at the puck, and there is a backside that is wide open. And that needs to be something that the, the Flames end up cleaning up. And also, it's something I think the Flames can clean up going into it. But overall, I mean, whether it's Calgary against Nashville, Calgary against Dallas, or Calgary against Vegas... This is going to be such a fun, fun, fun time. And, I mean, it's it's pretty clear now it's going to be Edmonton against the Kings in the first round. That's going to be sweet. Minnesota against St. Louis is going to be a great first round series. The West playoff, I mean, the East playoffs are going to be elite hockey on top of elite hockey the whole time. But th this, this West round is going to be just boxing match after boxing match. I can't wait. And, again, I think this is where, like, we, we talked all season about what Johnny Gaudreau's contract would be. Is 10 going to be enough? Do you just like automatically eight years and just hand him a blank check? What do you do with Matthew Kachuk? These questions are now going to get answered in the next week. And that is such an exciting thing from a, a Flames fan perspective.
the music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. In the NBA, the Toronto Raptors force a game six and this has been just such a weird, weird, weird series. And now for Toronto with no Fred Van Vliet, I feel like there's a lot of Fred Van Vliet um, slander out in the universe right now because of how well Toronto looked defensively in the last couple of games without Fred Van Vliet. I know like Fred Van Vliet is smaller than everyone and defensively it hasn't been great the first few games while he was in there, but I think that the Raptors' issues defensively were more improved by Scotty Barnes being himself than a lack of Fred Van Vliet. I, I think Scotty Barnes' size out there really helps things. And yes, you can add a little bit more size with no Fred out there, but I, I don't think the difference defensively between Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. is the reason this series is going the way that it's going right now for Toronto. But obviously, the the... The impact of Scotty Barnes is massive to this team, and it is crazy that he is a rookie. He's a rookie that not a whole lot of Raptors fans wanted when they got him, but holy cow, does he change the dynamic of this Toronto Raptors team on both ends of the floor, because he battles for every offensive rebound, and defensively, like, he just helps you switch a lot of Philadelphia's offense coming off of those handoffs where you get a switch. Well, that doesn't matter if you're switching from Barnes to Achua to Pascal Siakam to OG Ananobi. Like, that just, that's not a fun time. So... Toronto's defense stepping up and they're now finally looking like the Raptors that we thought we would see and it's obvious that the last couple of games Joel Embiid has not been the Joel Embiid that we are used to that has to change for Philadelphia in this series we talked about before if you're Toronto you kind of just accept that he's going to be the best dude in the series Philadelphia doesn't have a hope in hell if he is not the best dude in the series and I thought in game three Siakam was the best guy in the series or the best guy in the game and that has been a, a giant development for Toronto as well the first Two and a half games of this series were best case scenario for Philadelphia. And now the tide has shifted. And if you don't get a couple of missed uh, precious free throws or uh, a wild flail at the end of the game from Joel Embiid that falls, we could be talking about a Raptors team that is a win away on home court from making it to the NBA final or not the NBA finals, geez, uh, making it to the the second round. But this is Philadelphia is in some trouble. And if Joel Embiid can't get this thing going, holy smokes, is this going to be a long offseason in Philadelphia, both literally and figuratively, of course. And you are, I think it's a really interesting discussion to be had because the next series we're going to talk about is Boston sweeping the Brooklyn Nets and what a win that is for people who love regular season basketball. But if Philadelphia loses and Joel Embiid, because Joel Embiid looks worn out, and I think a lot of the credit for that needs to go to Toronto, but I, I also think a lot of that is Joel Embiid wanted to prove he could play a full season and be a dominant guy who plays a full season and then goes in the playoffs, and if he wears down in the first round, there's going to be a lot of calls now for load management and those sorts of things. And you guys have heard me before. I think there's a fine balance of load management and like running a guy 82 games into the ground and then expecting him to be able to do it for two months in the postseason, the way things are played in the NBA now. But it's going to be an interesting discussion. On to Boston against Brooklyn. As I said before, this is a win for people who love the regular season because you have Brooklyn with all this talent and Kyrie said after the game, and he was right, they just hadn't had a chance to gel. And it's the irony of all ironies that Kyrie is the one who was saying that, but they just, they hadn't had a chance to to really mesh. And you have Boston 
who use the regular season not only to mesh, because this is a team that's been together for forever, but they use the regular season to improve. And I think a lot of people discount that, where the regular season, it's not just, ah, we're killing time and whatever. It's an opportunity to learn things about your team. It's an opportunity to learn things about some other teams. Again, it's tough to learn things about Brooklyn when their team is entirely different than it was even three months ago. And in some instances, their team was entirely different from one game to the next. But for for Boston, they figured out what they had defensively. They figured out how everything would work. They were getting killed on both ends of the floor. They were below 500 in December, like midway through the season, this team is below 500. And now they could be the favorites to win an NBA championship. Why? Not because, oh, just some light switch flipped on. Because they used the regular season to figure out What do we have in Marcus Smart, not only defensively, but as a point guard initiating this offense? What do we have in Tatum? How can we make this offense with Tatum and Brown work? And it was kind of a a trial run to Brown. Like, hey, we understand on a lot of teams, you're Batman. And we don't want to call you Robin. However, you're not that dude. And you could see in the regular season, Tatum was that dude. And Brown, to his credit, was like, okay, yeah, he's that dude. I'll, I'll, I'll still get mine when it's time for me to get mine. But this team runs through Tatum. And I, I think they just, they use the regular season in such a way to improve their team and figure out what flaws they had, fix those flaws, not by trade, but internally, and be able now to build up this chemistry to where this team looks unstoppable right now. Um, full credit to Boston for what they have done. And I, I think this is a massive, massive, when not only for people who like the regular season, but I think for the NBA as a whole, as it now sells the importance of the regular season once again. The last game on Monday was Dallas against Utah, and it was just, it was never close. And Donovan Mitchell, I don't know if anyone's stock has fallen further than Donovan Mitchell's in this series. Clarkson is the only one who can score in this series for Utah. Now that Bogdanovich, his main focus is just not getting killed by Luka Doncic, He's got nothing for him offensively. Rudy has always got nothing for him offensively. Connolly is either old or hurt. And Mitchell just, all he can, like, he's not doing anything. He's not defending. He's not scoring. And Dallas is getting whatever they want. And they are lights out from three this entire series. And now you add Luca's play into the mix. And it took them a game to kind of gel the fast-paced, shooting attack that Dallas had in the first couple of games of the series with a bit of a more measured approach that Luka likes to take. I think they gelled it perfectly. This Mavericks team is firing on all cylinders. I would expect this series to be done on Thursday when they meet again in Dallas. On to yesterday's game, the Miami Heat eliminate the Atlanta Hawks. The the story again in this, and there, there isn't a whole lot to break down from this game. The story again is that Atlanta, A, couldn't get a stop when they desperately needed one, and B, they did not get enough from Trey Young in this game and in this series. He needed to be, quite frankly, he needed to be the best player in the series. That's why at the beginning, when I was looking at it from Miami perspective, I was like, man, like of all all the play-in teams aside from Brooklyn, and it turns out Brooklyn wasn't really much, but of the like Charlotte, Cleveland, Atlanta grouping for that potential eighth place team, I wanted Atlanta the least because Trey Young could just get hot. And the guy who just got hot was kind of Kevin Herter. And if he is the best player on Atlanta, Atlanta is going to lose. They, they needed so much more for Trey Young in this series. And I hope, again, this is an eye-opener for Atlanta that they just can't coast and, oh, yeah, we'll heat up in the playoffs. Because they didn't at any point. Um, 
Trey Young had about five good minutes in this series, and that's it. This this is a team that needs to, again, take a lesson from Boston, take this regular season seriously so that you are peaking going into the playoffs and not just because you were flatlined the whole regular season and, oh, here's a jump. Um, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. We are seeing that now here in the NBA. That does not work. And Atlanta found out in five games, so their season is done. Memphis with a great comeback win, 111-109 over the Memphis or over the Minnesota Timberwolves, stick a 3-2 series lead. John Morant is incredible. His ability to get to the rim is great. But the, the key in this game was on the offensive glass for the Memphis Grizzlies. Clark was a beast. And this is where people have trouble with Carl Anthony Towns. Towns, it's great that you're huge and you can put the ball on the floor and score. And it's great that you're huge and you can shoot from three. However, if you're getting beat out on rebounds late in games when you have a chance to close out a game and take it an advantage in a series where you head back home for game six, that's that's the stuff we need from you, from a, a big man. Like, um, Bomani Jones is all over Carl Anthony Towns. Like, it's great that you can do all these things, but I, I don't care that you can do all these things. I need you to, if you do those things, that's great, but you need to do the things that a big man is is supposed to do. And I know we're getting away from the Shaquille O'Neal era big guy where you just be huge down there and bowl your way and get some rebounds and that's going to win us basketball games. But you need to be able to do some of it. Like, it's it's kind of like saying Alex Ovet calling Alex Ovechkin a goalie and saying, look, he is the greatest scoring goaltender in the history of the National Hockey League. Okay, but but how how can he how can he play goal? Oh, not very well at all. But he is the greatest scoring goalie in the history of the National Hockey League. It's the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Like, okay, he might be the best shooting big guy in the, the history of the NBA. I don't think so, but he likes to call himself that. He is a, a skilled shooter for a big man. Okay, that's great. Can he do the things that a big guy is supposed to do? Well, no, but he can shoot and he can dribble really, really well. Okay, that's fine. Like, Kevin Durant has made a career out of that. Can you do it like that? Well, no. No, like, he, he does it well for a big guy. So, okay, but you see what I mean? Like, it, it's cool that you can do the, 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 the fun, flashy things, but you have to either be able to do them an elite level, which he doesn't, or be able to do them pretty well, which he does, but do the other big guy things really well. And he doesn't do that. And in this one, it cost him. Like, he had some great moments. Being able to put it on the deck, two dribbles, and just flying like the Air Jordan logo. Sweet. Awesome. Congratulations. Love that for you. But need you to get a rebound to close the possession late in the game. Or just don't turn the ball over when you're trying to handle it late. Also, D'Angelo Russell was probably about the fourth option I would have had out on the floor looking to take that late game shot for Minnesota. So there's just some maturing and some growth that needs to happen for Minnesota. But the problem is this isn't a team of 22, 23 year olds anymore. Not that Towns is going to retire tomorrow, but these are guys who should know better at this point. And they don't. And that's a problem for Minnesota. Last one, Phoenix with a 112-97 win over the Pelicans. DeAndre Ayton, the confidence he is playing with now, he is unrecognizable from the guy who played two years ago. He's even taken a step up from the dude he was last year. But the, the steps he has taken really shows that you should not give up on young talent. There is a time to give up on young talent for sure, but try developing him a little bit first. And Carl Anthony Towns has developed, or sorry, Carl um, Anthony Towns, which is he's developed into what DeAndre Ayton has. Ayton was a force in this game. Bridges was excellent in the, the, the fourth quarter and the second half of this game, really shooting from three. And Chris Paul took over. Like th this is this is what this series looks like. I don't even think New Orleans played that badly. They're just not on the level of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Suns showed it. 
Uh, up on the schedule today, it's a couple of games where the series should be done. The Bulls are 12.5 point underdogs against the Bucks, while the Warriors are 8 point favorites at home against um, the Denver Nuggets. I would take both favorites in this. I'd, I don't care what points I'm giving up from a Milwaukee perspective and a Golden State perspective. Uh, give me those home teams all day. I, I, I don't know how particularly... Not going to be a great night of basketball. We will just say that. Um, also, on the NHL ticket tonight, you're not getting a ton of value, but I would definitely go Vegas Golden Knights minus one and a half against Chicago. They just, they have to win that game. Same thing with Dallas. Um, like, at, at, at this point in the season, you have teams that desperately need to win against teams who have nothing to play for. I, I will absolutely take the minus one and a half in both of those situations. Uh, this one's not going to come out in time to get that Mets Cardinals pick in, so that is unfortunate. The early game's always a little bit tricky. We got this one last week. We'll get it again this week. I'm going to go Mackenzie Gore and the San Diego Padres against Cincinnati. I will just take... Moneyline is a little bit expensive for me, so I, I will take the Padres minus one and a half in that game, and I think that is the only baseball play we have today. So, a little bit of uh, today's ticket at the end of the show for y'all. That is going to do it for the program today. No Friday show. We got a lot going on around here right now. No Friday show. So tomorrow, going to be previewing the NFL draft with John Bender going through some of the strategies of what I think is a, a very intriguing draft. So looking forward to that conversation. Again, shout out to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. Spring into action with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions this spring and get 10% off your booking when you call 403-274-3998 and mention Spring promo. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions for being the studio sponsor, and thank you to you for listening today. We will be back, like I said, tomorrow with an NFL Draft preview with Bender. I'm out.